Welcome to the Better Business Podcast, a series for those business owner operators who want to create a better business. Here are your hosts, Chris and Mark. Welcome to the Better Business Podcast. Chris Pesamenti here, joined again in our Sydney studio, as I like to say, by Mark Eggleston. It's been a little time between drinks. G'day, Mark. How are you going, hey, mate? Kez. How are you doing? Are you doing well? Lockdown Can't again. Complain. Yes, we are locked down. Yes, we are managing to smile and we are in lockdown. You're in lockdown. The whole country's in lockdown, uh, but it doesn't mean we don't talk to uh, good topics for business owners. And uh, today we've got a pretty special podcast because we've got a guest today. So I might just do a short introduction because I know we're all a little bit uh, short on time today. Um, But today's guest is a chap who's got a long history in the Melbourne hospitality scene. And he's also got a history with the Melbourne or the Australian football scene. Uh, He's been a little bit prominent of recent times on some of the uh, after dark news services and become a bit of a voice of the industry. Uh, But today we want to chat a little bit differently. Our guest is Paul Dimitina, uh, owner and uh, proprietor and manager at Lamaro's in South Melbourne, one of the great uh, gastro pubs and uh, Friday long lunch session places. Uh, Paul, welcome to the podcast. How are you, mate? We got you there. Yeah, you got me, Pezza. How are you, mate? And nice to chat with you, Mark. Hope there's not too much noise where I am. I'm actually outside enjoying, it's not the first day of spring, that's tomorrow, but sitting outside, enjoying my time chatting with you, gentlemen. We can hear the birds in the background. We can. That's good. And thank you for the intro, Pezza. And you're right, we are the, we are one of the great, you know, last long lunch places left in Melbourne, one of the great gastro pubs. So, um, you know. Maybe reach some, um, what do you reckon, Eggy? If we reach some sort of download milestones on this one, maybe Dimmer looks after us for a long lunch when uh, when you get down to Melbourne from Sydney. Well, I'm wondering why we haven't had a long lunch there already. Well, that is a good question. It's primarily because you uh, you hold yourself up there. Yeah, but even before that, mate. But oh, nothing would give me greater pleasure than to have a long lunch there, particularly okay, well since then, I know ducks on the menu. Well, you're on. Cool. Okay, so Paul, uh, for the listeners, mo- most of the people that um, will probably uh, listen to this podcast have some awareness of of your, uh, I guess your your persona in the Melbourne landscape. Um, just for Mark's benefit, uh, if you haven't worked it out already. Uh, Dimmer played a fair amount of football for the Western Bulldogs and started his career at Richmond in the AFL. Um, his family have been involved in the Melbourne hospitality scene for decades uh, and and uh, owning and running a number of restaurants that um, are household names around Melbourne. And uh, Paul has ended up at uh, Lamaro's in South Melbourne. And over that time, and I, I probably just wanted to kick off, and I, I guess we wanted to discuss a little bit about um how well i guess for your benefit paul we we talk to owner operator businesses mark and i both coach and develop leadership uh right through executive teams in owner operator businesses and given that you've faced a, probably a challenge that you haven't seen in the industry and maybe even back to i mean it didn't go for as long but remember back in the days of the gas crisis that would have hit you pretty hard back then too um how does it how does a business like yours first of all give us a rundown how many employees you have we have 50 employees here at Lamaro's. Uh, of that, there's, what do we got? I'd say there's 16 that are full-time. 
uh, and then you've got 34 casuals. So obviously for the casuals at the moment, it's a pretty pretty tough time for a lot of them. Just the uncertainty of uh, of everything that's going on. That's probably that's probably been you know one of the biggest challenges for everyone and myself included. Just I've always been pretty methodical in what I do, and I love um, you know I love uh, challenges in life and everything else. But you've always when you've got a challenge, you can always plan and prepare. And you know when like football pre-season, you're working your guts out for the goal, what's coming up for the next season, and you know you can dot your eyes, cross your t's, do everything you can to be physically, mentally. Um, prepared for football season and same in business you do everything you can to be re- uh, you know ready for uh, what things throw at you at the moment we there's a sense of helplessness where you don't you've got no absolutely no control over um, what we're doing uh, it's a really difficult time yeah and as I said that that, that sense of helplessness I've never experienced that before and it's um, it is I'm not going to lie to you, wearing me down a little bit as much as I'm a positive and upbeat person. It's uh, just when you feel you can't control your own destiny, it's it's um, bloody tough. Yeah, yep. And, Eggy, you and I get to speak to business owners and leaders that, uh, you know, they face challenges. They face, I guess, um, and obviously through this lockdown, obviously it's not just the hospitality industry, but a lot of other industries are affected. Um, Dimmer... When you when you face this, I guess you, your own energy being sapped. Um, as a leader, h- how do you see what's your role in this for yeah, your so- your fifty staff? Can I, just, um, can I just jump in there for a sec? Yeah, just thinking about the fifty staff thing. Um, if you could answer that question first, Paul, but then. I'm wondering if you manage the casuals differently to your permanents in this particular time. I missed that last little bit you said then, sorry. Do you, how do you manage the permanence a little bit different to your casual staff? Um, no, uh, the the permanents are um, obviously, you know, I've still, yeah. well, it's even hard with them because there's no work really available for them at the moment as much as we've pivoted our business. Um, you know, just I suppose for them, it's uh, they're, they're home every night and probably looking at the ceiling like a lot of people and, feel a sense of helplessness in themselves. Um, and I think the one thing I've noticed with them is they probably had a greater empathy and a greater sort of sense of compassion for someone like myself as a business owner. You know, their their hand is not always just out wanting a pay or anything like that. I mean, they're, they're racking their brains out trying to ensure that they're thinking of ways to try to bring extra revenue through the door every week as well, which is great, rather than them just relying on myself or, you know, my managers to be the leadership team. Um, I think we've all banded together and, you know, they've, they've got their brain sitting over as to how they can best help to ensure that the business stays alive and, 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 and copes yeah. and, and can sort of thrive through this period. Mm, and just on, just, and just back to, I guess, that original question, the role, how do you see your role in this? Because, you know, as much of it is, I guess, energy, trying to manage the energy of, you know, those human emotions as well as uh, turn a dollar in a business. Yeah, I mean, my role is to, obviously, I'm, I'm try, I try to be there to motivate, inspire them and, uh, and also just try to, um, you know, I suppose I've got to love and empathy and compassion for my staff and I think they can see that more than ever, just, you know, a lot of the, the food I've been able to give them and the support I've provided, whether it be financial or whatever else I can do just to make sure that I keep them upbeat and feeling 
a sense of positivity in their life. Um, I've you know, probably worked harder than ever to ensure that I do that, that I maintain some sort of positive persona around them. Yeah, so Paul, I heard you just say then that you were loving and caring for your staff, which is not usual with businesses. Is that because of your AFL background, you know, behaving as a team, behaving as a family? Yeah, 100%. I think I grew up in a really tight-knit Italian family, uh, always been involved in family business uh, and everything we always did, you know, with family business, just with our staff. Everyone was, you know, we had a, a really good and a really vibrant team. And my, I reckon it stemmed from my father. The fact that, you know, I, I honestly cannot remember losing a staff member ever that left disgruntled. We just don't have disgruntled staff. Everyone leaves us on good terms. And we have, you know, we're really proud of some of the success a lot of people have gone on to achieve in life after sort of working with us. And then I think that's the same with the football background, just that sense of team. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. you're only as good as those around you. And, you know, as a good leader, as a good coach, as a good um, manager, you know, you want to motivate, inspire and get the best out of your team. And I'm pretty hands-on with them. And, you know, um, just that absolute sense that they feel once they start working with us, that they are part of your family. You mentioned Paul and I heard in another, yeah. you got fined recently from, from yep. the, uh, from the Melbourne, uh, uh, you know, lockdown police. And, yep. But you also mentioned that one of the reasons for that fine was that I'm just interested in how you demonstrate that your, your team are part of your family. And you mentioned that one of the things that you were doing was packaging up the food that was going to be thrown out over the, over the next week and, and distributing that to staff. Is that, that was the case, was it? Hundred percent, yeah, yep. Um, you know, the doors were locked, the lights were turned off, and I did have, you know, there would have been twenty staff inside. Plus, I had a couple of family members and a couple mm. of mates who were there, sort of also consoling me because, you know, I take these lockdowns pretty hard. Uh, it's not easy running a business with no revenue coming through, so or having to pivot back to a takeaway model, and um, just, you know, it's uh, something that's probably you know unsustainable. Um, you know, but we did, we had. I would have had, there would have been a good 20, 25 people here. And it was the staff who I'd called in that weren't working that I said, come down, have a drink. Um, and also um, take, I'll give you, you know, care packages so you can take any of the perishable food home. So you're not going without. Mm. Um, yeah. So what other ways, uh, you know, just when in, if you could imagine in normal operating conditions, what, what are some of the other ways that, that you kind of demonstrate to the, to your people in your organization that, they are part of the family, that you have that deeper culture as a business, not just a, you know, you come here, you work, you get paid, you go home. How else do you demonstrate that family um, culture? Well, we make sure, you know, we know everyone's birthday. So, you know, when it comes to your birthday, we'll always, the pastry chef will make a cake and we'll always sing happy birthday to them. We'll, um, we ensure that they uh, will give them a present. Uh, of some sort or generally I'll buy them a restaurant voucher for somewhere or, or depending on who the person is, we try to tailor up a, a birthday present that suits them and their personality. But, um, you know, that's just a few of the little things that we try to do. And, and we've got a really tight-knit team and a tight-knit staff here that really, um, they're there for each other. And, you know, some of them, they've become absolutely great friends now. And it's just great to see them socialising and hanging out together and, um you know, they've, they've become some of them lifelong friends and it's great when you can provide a, a workplace and environment that uh, enhances that. And you're, and something that you'll get to experience, Eggy, when you venture down to Paul's restaurant eventually is that you get a sense when you go in there that people are having a bit of fun. Like it's a little bit irreverent. It's not stuffy. Yeah. It's, um, it's a little bit of fun, isn't it? 
That's what I, I – yeah, I'm glad you touched on that, Pez. I mean, you know, it's, it's like the amount of people that come in here and, you know, the uh, Paul LeCuria, who's a you know, former Collingwood great, not currently on the board of the Collingwood footy flag. He's, he's a regular here and he just – he calls it cheers. He said it's just great when you come here. It's like that TV series. Everyone knows each other. Um, it's, and it's a, we, we, we have really created – we haven't just created a, a great little business here. We've created a community. Everyone knows each other. Uh, we really pride ourselves on the fact that the staff, are, you know, know the majority, well, all the regular customers, they know their names and, um, you know, they know what wine you drink, they know what how you have your steak cooked, they know what sauce you want with your steak. Um, you know, they're their customer recognition and sort of memory retention of what, what you like and don't like is fabulous. Um, and it's something we pride ourselves on, we really do. And I think it's always, you know, the fish always rots from the head and, you know, as the head of the business here, I'm always making sure that, um, you know, that I think that the staff are genuinely surprised um, how good I am at remembering people's names, something I pride myself on. And, you know, um, you can always tell, I can always tell, I suppose, personally, whether I like someone when you meet them, if you're at a function, if they forget your name within about one minute, you're, like, yeah, you're sort of, you know, you're, you're at the bottom of my list. Nothing better than when people remember your name. Uh, and it, it's you know there's little tricks you can do to do that, but it's just it's a really great attribute to have. And simple things, absolutely. Simple. Yep. This is a pretty miserable time, Paul. But sitting where you do now, can you see? Do you think anything that'll be a for your business in particular will be a good outcome for you? A good outcome. Oh, okay. no, well, is there a silver lining here anywhere for you? This is, oh, so I'm crossing yeah. across another question. Oh, you know what? I've got to be honest with you. The sil- I've, I've seen some of the silver linings, the, the community support, the fact that when I did get the $10,900 fine from the um, the establishment, that I've had so many, so many customers and people reach out, people I don't even know reach out and offer to A, individually pay the fine or B, contribute in some way to the fine. Um, and I'm, I've, I've, as I've said to everyone, I'm not after charity i'm not after sympathy and i'm you know i and i did tell everyone that offered i just said the best thing you can do right now if you uh the best support you can do jump on our website buy a gift voucher it helps us gives us the revenue now and you get to enjoy the hospitality when we reopen as i said the silver lining is just the love and uh and and our standing in the community where you've got customers doing that we've had i've had a few customers that i have accepted money from because they've been keen to give money to ensure the staff can stay alive so you know they've given me a bit of money which i'll just go down to um south melbourne market and buy fruit and veggies and meat and whatever else and i can that to um to give to the staff so um as i said just that that community spirit's mm. been fabulous and support bloody fantastic just le- leading on from that go back to last year because this is not just um, the current scenario you find yourself in. I mean, this was evident for Victorian businesses uh, all through last year as well. Uh, I, I remember that you made some, uh, opened up at like a deli or, or some takeaway yeah, did, stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. How did that yeah. go? That, that went okay. Um, you know, we, we had the front bar set up as a, we've got obviously a, a general liquor license, which means that we can sell takeaway alcohol. So we had the front bar set up as a, as a bottle shop and a gourmet delicatessen. So I went and got it, hired a couple of big deli fridges and we had the chefs busy, you know, making a lot of, um, you know, of our homemade, uh, of our sauces, some of our, you know, our duck curry that, um, and some of our signature dishes were already pre-cooked um, that just needed simple reheating at home. 
So a bit of a grab-and-go deli selection, which worked really well. And we also I, um, got a little front area that I was able to turn into a little, um, you know, sort of pop-up cafe. So, we, you know, we were selling a fair bit of coffee, takeaway paninis and everything like that. So, you know, we, we did what we had to do um, to get through that four-month period. Um, obviously, you know, to do that every time, it can get costly turning your trying to turn everything around. Um, we haven't done it this time. We've, sort, we've still got a, I have, do have a, a smaller deli fridge that we've got full of food for people to grab and go um, and the bottle shop set up again. So we do what we can to stay alive. We're doing weekend banquets and, um, uh, you know, we've got a big Father's Day banquet this weekend. Of, you know, all my favourite barbecue dishes are being cooked up by the kitchen team. So we're doing our little bits that we can for the, um, especially for the full-time staff to keep them in work and keep them from going around the bend at home because that there's no doubt, you know, I think people the four walls of home and not not having any social interaction or, um, mm. you know, you need, you need to keep your mind and your brain ticking over. And I think there's so many people, who are, especially in the public sector, that are just happy to stay at home, wear their pyjamas and do nothing all day, every day. Pretty sad existence, <laughs> to be honest with you. Yes. Uh, were you, Paul, would you keep any of these things when you're out of lockdown? Or are there any of these? Yeah, a few of them we have. Yeah, we have. Um, but it just gets a little bit hard. We, we, we get yeah. quite swarmed when we reopen and obviously we've only got a certain amount of kitchen space and a certain amount of bar area and space available for what we're doing. So we, 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 there, there has been certain elements that we have kept, absolutely. One of the things, uh, I'm not sure, Eggy, if you ever worked in hospitality, I imagine at some point you did back in the uni days or something, did you? No. Oh, well, no, there you go. So you're you're that that one person in Australia who didn't. Um, Do you want to know what I did? No, I won't tell you that. No, well, look, if it involved it chaps legal. and... It was completely legal. Oh, what was it? I worked on a farm where they grew ducks, so I had to go and catch the ducks in the morning, take them, take them to the place where they were killed. And then, and then they end up at, at, at Jeff Lindsay's um, kitchen there and, and Dimmer turns it into duck curry. You got it. That's it. Beautiful. I love a duck. It's a circle of life. Um, <laughs> That's it. I, I was just going to say on that note, um, you know, working in hospitality as, as you go through your younger years, and it's a social environment, you know, a big part of... And, and I think this probably goes to all the businesses that we talk to. Um, work is, is, there's the work that gets done and people are career-minded and so on and so forth. But I think the massive aspect of all of our existence at work, in inverted commas, is the fact that we, we do have a social interaction. And I think that's no more evident than in the hospitality game. And so I'd imagine that there's a fair bit of pain in your staff at the minute, Paul, not just for the fact that it might be hurting the hip pocket, but it's also just that that fun and sense of camaraderie and just a bit of a reverence and all that sort of stuff that you get that we spoke about coming to work there. How do you, even though you can't probably have them all around at the same time, are you doing anything else to stay in contact with the team or keep the team in contact with each other? Yeah, we've got a. I mean, we've got a group chat on WhatsApp, so we, um, you know, I'm regularly checking in on them. Um, you know, and I've always said if there's anything they need, they can always come down here. And, uh, some of the some of the younger staff, um, you know, last year when we reopened, there, there is a dearth of staff in the industry at the moment. So I've tapped into a lot of the locals that live, you know, within a kilometre or two kilometres from here, and we put together a great, you know, little a new sort of new new wave workforce that. Um, they're all local young kids, and when I say that young, between 19 to 22, 
fabulous bunch of youngsters and they've all become great friends. So, you know, I see them popping past now regularly. They're walking the lake together. Well, I suppose I don't even know what the rules are, but, you know, you're only probably meant to see one person or whatever. I think we're a bit lost with what all the rules are, but just to see to see the way they've become such such great friends is fabulous and they are doing a bit of exercise together and, and hanging out together where they're, you know, where they're allowed to. Um, it's just great, there, great, great to see that. Yep. How did you tap into them? Uh, a few of them I knew the parents and just sort of said, and a few okay. of them just said, listen, listen, the kids, um, you know, ready to do some work. Have you got any jobs? So I said, yes. And then basically from one or two of them, you sort of, just uh, chat to them and, you know, have you got any friends that yeah, are yeah. looking for work? So, yeah, all of a sudden um, we've ended up with about a dozen of them and it's fabulous. It's probably, it's been also great for business because then, you know, the parents are coming in more than ever and probably spending more money than ever. So it's great. And it's just that, as I said, that sense of community spirit and that that we are really, you know, actively involved in the local community around here. And it's, it's good when people are walking in who live locally and then they see these kids and they're like, oh, you know, they, they've watched them grow up and to see them now, here running around on the floor as a waiter or in the bar pulling a beer and everything like that it's it's it's, it's good it's just that sense of family environment that we really try to create here um, and as Pez has touched on it before but the sense of fun like we, it is a fun venue to come into it's a fun venue for them to work um, a lot of them love their sport and they see some absolute you know sporting icons here on a weekly basis if not a daily basis um, and that's just the host uh, well, that's true, yes. I'm glad you picked that person. I was talking myself up there, wasn't I? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah but it is, it, is, it is a really good, fun environment. So that's uh, what, you know, and I, we pride ourselves on that. You want, you want this, the, the workplace to be a place that they want to come to, they want to be at, and they, um, that they enjoy. And, and we, we've been able to do that. And I, I mean, I've just got a little thing here, you know, of, that we put together when you get your little Lamaro's... Um, handbook to start you know uh, one of our things is you know you've got our vision and our mission but it's, as a Lamaro's team member I am I am passionate I am knowledgeable I'm organized I exude a positive attitude I am creative I am a team player I am friendly and courteous I am efficient I have vision awareness and can multitask I enjoy the working environment and I have to- and I have high standards um and, you know, we that's posted up in the staff room. It's posted up in the kitchen, also in the bar, just something they can see and look at every day. And, you know, I have to remind myself to make sure that, you know, you sort of live that that creed every day yourself. Um, yeah. yeah. So, you, that would pretty much be your culture, I imagine, Paul. Within, I was going to ask you, do you have a culture that you explain to your staff when they join? I think you've probably just done it, really. Yeah, we do. We like to know. I like them to know what we're on about and what... Yeah. Um, yeah, and what we expect of them, but it's also it's, it's what we expect of ourselves. It's what I expect of myself every single day. You know, and I always just tell them, you know, you can be having the worst day ever, but once you walk through the doors here, you just put a smile on your face and, and the customers are number one. Uh, and, you know, you just got to exude that positive, friendly, um, you know, outward persona with them and make sure that, you know, you do everything to ensure that they leave and have a great, a great time while they're here. Eggy and I talk about vision a lot, Um, not just, you know, to our clients, but also, you know, on this podcast. Obviously, you know, one of the frustrations for business owners at the minute is we we don't really have a concrete vision to to cling on to about when circumstances are going to change. How do you you keep your staff wedded to what what is the Lamaro vision, if you like, that you mentioned there? You know, there's obviously some cultural behavioural standards, but what is the vision and how do you... How do you kind of keep that 
you know, is it relevant in times like this or is it all just shoulders to the grind wheel and then we will pick up the vision later on or is it, or is it more relevant yeah. than ever? Probably more relevant than ever, especially now when um, you're not, you're not open doing your traditional business, but we still are open with, um, you know, people can come in and grab and go and everything. But as soon as they walk through the door, you just want to make the customer feel special. And, you know, it's just a simple, hello, how are you going? And, and just a smile when they walk in and, I mean, part of I mean, our mission is, you know, I can say here, we're, we're part of our little handbook, is to be the best gastro pub in Melbourne. Um, you know, Lamaro's will become part of Melbourne's in-dining scene and will be viewed as a must-visit venue in Melbourne. We will be welcoming of the locals and be their go-to pub of choice. This will be paired with attentive, professional and knowledgeable service that will continue to attract the dining public. And then we've obviously got our aims and objectives that we do to make sure that we, we do that. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, that's no. really clear. It's really, really nicely it's put very, too. It's very clear. Yeah. Paul, before this all started, did you have any idea of how your local community felt about you? Because obviously they feel really good about you. You know, they started. I, I never thought I'd have the impact that I'd had, no. Um, you know, I've been involved in hospitality a long time and I suppose a lot of our places, CBD venues, that you don't have the local cult sort of following that we've got around here now. So it was a little bit of a different beast. But, I mean, I live in Elwood and South Melbourne's only, what, six or seven kilometres away. So we really have tapped into that whole Bayside community. Uh, you know, the kids are at school in Brighton, which is just down the road. And, you know, the, the you know that, that's, that community's really embraced us. The, um, we sponsor the local St Kilda City Junior Football Club. Uh, we sponsor the local primary schools. I sponsor... Uh, the Bentley Football Club, which is in the Southern League, we sponsor the St Kilda Cricket Club in the Premier. So we've really been uh, the Premier Cricket League here. So we've really been, I've been really proactive in trying to put my money into um, the community, especially the sporting clubs. Um, and you know, the, the the what we get back in return is tenfold. Um, and uh, you know, initially you don't do it for what you're going to get back in return. You do it because you care. You care about the community. I care about the local footy club. You know, the kids played there as juniors. Um, and I just think you've got to, you know, you've got to give. You've got to really give to the community. And obviously now we're getting we're getting it back in spades. Mm. It's, a, it's a wonderful metaphor, isn't it? That whole notion of giving first without the expectation of receiving and, and it does come back, doesn't it? It does. I mean, I've been pretty fortunate when, you know, you look at a lot of the leadership stuff I've done over the years. I haven't done, you know, I've I've studied a little bit, but when I was playing at the Western Bulldogs, uh, you know, they were fabulous in putting, well, one thing I didn't like at the time, which has probably changed now, but I was part of the leadership group. The leadership group got put through all sorts of leadership programs and um, was fabulous, but I was always quite critical that why should myself or Luke Darcy or, you know, the Leon Camerons or the leaders of the footy club keep getting put through leadership programs. Everyone needs to be put through it. Every, you know, your 40 mm. second player or whatever on the list should be doing what I'm doing because that's the only way they're going to become a better leader and a better player. Um, but a lot of what I learned and a lot of the footy club stuff I've, you know, held me in good stead for the rest of my life. Um, and I still use a lot of that now. Yeah. On, on that, do you, do you draw on any particular, um, coach that you worked under or, or leader that you played with or any, anyone from that really stood out to you that you kind of took on some of their mentorship, if you like, and you're using that now in your business life? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, I had a couple of great personal friends, like sort of Jose Romero, uh, Luke Darcy, um, Tony Liberatore, um, Paul Hudson, you know, really close mates out of footy. Uh, but the, 
the absolute greatest leader of men I've ever encountered in my life is a guy called Scott Wind, who was our captain, Brownlow medalist, and I could just say the greatest human being I think I've ever encountered. Um, to say I love the man is an understatement. Um, also hugely successful in business. He's, you know, an absolute multi-squillionaire now, but no one would know because he's just the most humble man as I've ever met as well. Um, and he's just, for me, the absolute most amazing leader I've ever encountered, not only on the football field, but off. if I ever walked in to the club and I was having a bad day, he'd be the first one to put his arm around you. He just had an ability to pick people's moods, to pick how you were feeling. And, um, you know, I just can't talk highly enough of the man. Mm-hmm. Isn't it interesting? And, and you talk about, the, I guess, the, the brutal... Um, environment of, of professional sport and and the people that leave the lasting legacy are the ones that tap into how people feel. Yep, absolutely. And it's just, it's a great attribute to have just that, you know, when you're the captain of a football club like he was, um, you know, you've also, you, you're worried about your own game. He had injury problems at the time and everything else, but he, he just, his ability just to, to do everything and to take on uh, and to read read the play, read the mood of the room, just read everything uh, was phenomenal. And as I said, you know, there was just days where, you know, you might be low and just his, his consoling arm around you and just his ability to make you feel 10 foot tall was amazing. What would be some of the key things that other business owners could take from what you're doing, do you think? Um, I suppose just that sense of self-belief, determination and just probably not letting the, the, a situation get the better of you. Um, you know, I've always lived by a, a saying that you know we had a I had a great mentor, a guy called Steve Griffiths, who's um, sort of really big in the the mindfulness game, and uh, he he taught me transcendental meditation probably 22 years ago, and I still do TM at least once a day, not twice a day, but I do it once a day. Um, I'm big on that and my mindfulness. But you know, Steve always said, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always got, uh, and, and that always stuck with me. So you know, I always like to try to mix things up where I can and especially in the business world, you can't just, you know, what worked one year might not work the next and what worked one week might not work the next. You've always just got to keep challenging yourself and always trying to better yourself. And that's one thing I'm always uh, quite conscious of and, and, and trying to do. In terms of um, some of the wisdom that you've got, I mean, you've obviously worked with a, a number of people across your career in sporting and business, um, but you're also... It might surprise a few people, but from memory, you, you actually read quite a few books, don't you? I do. I do. I was, um, it's uh, probably not really good to say, but there was probably when I was playing football and I was quite an angry man and I uh, had white line fever. I, I reckon I've read every single mafia book there ever is. I had a real infatuation <laughs> with uh, our Italian heritage and, and, and the mafia. <laughs> but yeah, I do. I, I, I read a fair bit. Um, and a lot of you know different business books. Um, one, a great one is uh, from a guy called Bill Lang. I think it's called uh, what's it called? Points score on the board, something like that. But Bill Lang's been a bit of a mentor of mine over the last few years as well. Small Business Australia, and um, yep. I do. I, I enjoy reading a lot, especially um, you know, uh, uh, I suppose leadership books or business books. I'm, I'm really into. Um, well, you, yeah. it might surprise you, Eggy, but. It might even surprise you, Dimmer, but you, you were the one that put me onto a book that that I reckon is one of the great books to read in terms of not looking at life as it, as it actually appears in front of you, but start to question some different things. And that was actually um, Malcolm Gladwell's Outlier. Yes. Did I, t- did, I, did I tell you about that, did I, Pez? Yeah, you, you, actually, you actually sent me a message 
message one day apropos of nothing oh. you said i reckon you would love this book it's, it's got you written all over it and i thought well that was a strange one so it came out of nowhere so i picked it up and i i actually think it's one of the greatest books i've ever read title Thank again Pez. Outliers. Outliers. Malcolm Gladwell, you're right. I'm glad. There you go, Pez. That's I'm thank, thank you. I'm glad you uh, I was able to uh, inspire you with that one. But yeah, first books like that, I, I really enjoy it and love those sort of things. And, um, you know, uh, you've always got to keep trying to better yourself and open your mind to, to new ideas and, and new ways of looking at things. So, um, yeah. Well, just That's going a, back yeah. a statement or two, clearly you got on top of being angry, or, or at least I presume you did. Me? Yeah. Yeah, angry. you said you were a bit angry. Oh, I was an angry young man. I still am. A, I still am an angry old man now. Um, you know, <laughs> but but my anger doesn't it, always. Yeah. yeah, my anger doesn't always come out. Um, you know, and I, I've obviously, you know, before I come on with you boys, I did my TM, so I'm uh, quite relaxed at the minute. Um, but there's days where I'm not going to lie to you. I just sit there and I literally cannot uh, fathom how our leadership at a government level here in the state and I didn't really want to go into politics, but I just can't fathom how they can be the single minded in some of their, um, the way they look at things. Yes. What you've got to realize at the moment, I think people are waking up a lot more and I'm finding a lot more people are either coming past to see me here or ring up or send me an email, but I've been banging on for the last 12 to 18 months now that, you know, for local communities and local uh, you need a, a vibrant local main street. You know, you just got to look at Clarendon Street, South Melbourne. It's it's mm. horrible. Vacant tenancy after vacant tenancy after vacant tenancy. Go down to Ackland Street, St Kilda, vacant tenancy, vacant tenancy, vacant tenancy. Fitzroy Street, St Kilda is deplorable now. Um, you know, I can name so many other Ca- main Carlisle streets. Carlisle Street similar. Carlisle Street is horrible. Uh, Sydney, Victoria Sydney Street, Road Richmond. over here, Ligon yep. Street, Victoria Street, you know. Yep. Uh, Bridge Road, Inter- Richmond, everywhere. It's just decimated, and that's what vibrant communities uh, and small business was the cornerstone of a vibrant community, and they are destroying that. Interestingly, on that point, Paul, it's one of the things Sydney hasn't got right that Melbourne has got really right. I remember not that long ago standing at the top end of Collins Street up near Parliament quite late at night. I was just hopping. It was absolutely fantastic, and Sydney just has never got this right in terms of vibrancy in some of its streets. Yep. I I really hope it comes back. Pez and I have talked to a mate of mine who does sort of, they tap into insights globally. And he was, I was talking to him last night and this whole COVID thing is widening the gap rapidly between the haves and the have nots. It's, and it's really becoming magnified now. Mm, For whatever reason, we didn't go into the reasons and there would be many and varied. Well, I think, I think, you know, given the, um, the ethos, Mark, of this of this particular podcast. I think it's also incumbent on us to share what we do see coming out of small, medium-sized business that is that is owner-operated. And one of the things that I think is going to be a lasting impression from COVID, and I hope I hope people don't forget too soon, is that every business I'm, I'm involved with, I reckon, 15 different businesses every month. And every one of those business leaders, business owners, primary concern has been about their staff. It's it's never been um, profitability. We don't talk margin. We don't talk about sales. We're all we all we're ever really going through is how do we keep the staff motivated? How do we keep the staff engaged? How do and when you when you really kind of lift the veil behind, I guess the industry that I think it it, it 
it employs about 80% of Australia's population of, of Australia's working population in that owner operator, small to medium sized business. Yeah, it's high. Um, it's massive. And it's quite inspiring to see that. And I think it's probably a bit of a paradigm shift for a lot of people's thinking, thinking that if they go and work for the, um, you know, they go and work for the man or the woman, and it's all about how much money that person can make. And they're trying to screw me down in wages and all that sort of stuff. It couldn't be further from the truth. And I think a legacy of, of what we've seen over the last 18 months is that all the focus has gone on to how do we, how do we get everyone through this? And, and I think that's been led by small business more than, more than big business at the minute. Big business has been all about how do we rationalize? How do we, you know, how, how can we exploit this in the future? Um, small business has just been, how, when we get back to normal, how do we make sure everyone's okay until then? Yep. I think you're right, Pez. And uh, I think, it, you know, that's one thing when you're in small business, you, you've got to have that love for your staff. If you have a love for your staff, they're going to have that love for you. And that's what you want, that, that environment that, you know, it allows them to, to shine and prosper as well. And if, if they shine and prosper, your business is going to shine and prosper with it. Mm. I think the small owner-operated businesses are really realising that their staff is the lifeblood of their business. And this is really driving it home that they need to look after them. So when things, I don't think, don't know if things will ever go back to how they were, but they are going to need staff at some point in time. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and you want to have the ones you had before. Well, which, which kind of, you know, brings on, I, I think, you know, what some of the big challenges at the minute where is the economy is um, humming along better than probably what is expected. And, and now we're facing these massive labour shortages. How do you, I guess, back to your your situation, Dimmer, how do you see that affecting you in the future? Do you, do you feel like, you know, you know, when things reopen, you've got that loyal base of staff that's going to get you through the demand or is it going to be a struggle uh, minor, I think it's going to, it's always a struggle, um, but I'm pretty sure we haven't lost any. We've got, um, you know, they're all the chefs. Everyone's been able to tap into a bit of the government money, uh, which is really handy. And I know a lot of the, I suppose a lot of it's fortunate for a lot of the young kids that live locally around here. They, you know, they've got families that are quite well to do, so they're being well supported, which probably helps helps alleviate a little bit of stress for me. Um, mm-hmm. But. You know, at this stage, I think once we reopen, I've, I've still got all 50. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. That is, that's something to be proud of, definitely. How do you take, I guess, the me- messages from your transcendental, transcendental mindfulness, was it? or, or what yeah, Transcendental was it? Trans- meditation, yeah, which meditation? was founded by the great, the great Mahesh, sorry, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi Peza. So look him up. Quite okay, an interesting well- dude. Yep. Oh, well, <laughs> you'll, you'll have to send me a link to him because I, I might get the spelling wrong in my Google search and end up getting, you know, some sort of tailor out of Singapore. Um, with, with the the learnings and the, I guess the practice of that, how do you how do you flip the negative into a, into a positive? Because I guess there's going to be some um, point where you know, in in your discussions with fellow restaurant owners and and other business owners and whatnot, at some point, I guess. The, the, the recovery is going to be led by the private sector. I've, I've been absolutely, um, you know, rock solid on this, you know, from day one that uh, the, the private sector and the, and the owner-operated businesses always fix up the fuck-ups of government because of their entrepreneurial nature. Um, yes. how, how do you flip, how do you flip the, the negative into, into a positive message? Like at what point do you guys, when you get together or talk on the phone or whatever, 
you know, move away from the stuff that we all know that it, that it's a shitty environment at the minute and start going, okay, that's all good. Now, now what are we doing to move on? Like, where is that come? Well, has that already well, been? We, I think it's come and been. We did it last yeah. year. You know, we yeah. were in lockdown for four hard months here in Victoria last year. I've never done four hard months in jail before. I didn't really want to do it again. And here mm-hmm. we are faced with it again. And, um, you know, I think they're hell-bent on they're, – they're, they're trying to achieve something that I don't think that they can achieve at the minute. You know, um, you know how, how do we get the positivity? I don't know. I just – at this stage now, uh, it's, it really is a, a fight for survival. Um, and – you know, everyone needs your physical health, but physical health goes with your mental health, goes with your financial health. It's all entwined. Um, and there's a lot of people out there who are struggling both physically, emotionally, financially, and mentally. Well, I would say, you know, just to bring this around full circle and, and maybe wrap it up, is that if there's one thing you've proven, Dimmer, is that you, I know you're looking after your physical health as best you can. You're looking after your mental health with your meditation and you're looking after your team. So as much as as much as probably from the inside looking out, it seems like there's no hope and there's no, um, you know, silver lining in any of this. So I think from the outside looking in, it's, you know, you're probably an example of someone who's, yes, getting angry, yes, getting frustrated, but but also got some fundamentals in place that that actually um, help help you get your business through. And, um, and uh, you know, and all the same time, you've been vulnerable out there in the in the ether. Everyone's had a, had a chance to have a look at some of your rants you know, on Paul Murray or or Peter Credlin or Andrew Bolt or whatnot. But um, I guess from an outsider looking in, you know, you've you've put yourself out there, you've stuck to your beliefs, but it also evidently in this chat, you've um, you've got some absolute fundamentals in place with your team and the community's responding. So I think that's a pretty good example to to any any business owner out there that you. I remember one of the footy coaches, uh, I read it in a book somewhere, and you'll probably know this better than me. But they said there'll be a time when the winter asks you what you did all summer. And, um, and I think that, <laughs> yeah. And I think, and I think that that's a, an apt thing for business. Is that it's it's not about trying to reinvent stuff now while you're in the middle of a crisis. It's actually it's about you've got to be doing it all the time in preparation for a crisis. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we 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 sort of. I mean, we knew what we had to flip to again this for this um, period to get us through. But you know, when when I talk about um, you know your vision and then moving forward and. We still don't know, like when we reopen, what numbers we're going to have, and uh, you know we've been operating at fifty percent capacity for the last twelve months or eighteen months. Mm. You know, fifty percent capacity with still you know one hundred percent of your running costs, pretty much. It, it's uh, the mathematics. You know, you, you don't have to be smart to work out that that mathematics don't add up all the time. And um, you know, I'm I'm always going to keep speaking up for what I believe in, and no, I'm not going to let anyone shut me up. And um, you know, that's probably one one thing I've found out of all of this. You know. Um, I have found a voice. I'm going to keep using my voice. Uh, and as I said, there's a lot of people out there who want to shoot you down. And if people don't like me, they don't like me. I really couldn't care less. I don't. I don't lose sleep over it. And you know, um, and that's what through this, I, I reckon you, we've really found out who your friends are and who they aren't. And um, as I said, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't lose too much sleep about the haters because the haters are always going to hate. But as as you said, Pez, on a positive. Um, the Bulldogs are going to win the flag this year. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Not that I'll be there, but, you know, I just thought I'd finish on that one. <laughs> I think I think you've done a bit too much transcendental meditation this morning yes. if you think that's going to happen. But anyway. <laughs> I'll leave that to you, uh, Melbourne guys, to argue over that one, I think. <laughs> no, Eggie's just, uh, deci- Eggie's just discovered what a magnificent player Lance Franklin is. Oh, oh no, God. I, God, I just <laughs> love watching him. 
play. I don't yeah. I don't want much, I don't watch much sport, Paul, but I love to watch him play. Yeah, yeah he's beautiful. I tell you what, hopefully we oh. see the best of him next year. He's uh it looks like he's finally got his body right again and rid of some of the injury worries. So there's nothing better than watching Buddy in full flight. It's something to behold. I wonder how someone who's he's six foot seven tall, isn't he, or something like that? Two, yeah, two hundred centimeters. Yeah, runs and like big. the wind. And yeah, yeah, and he can yeah. just start from a standing still and go like a rocket within two steps. And you think, yeah. Rick. Yeah, no, he's he's a jet. That's for sure. He is amazing. Anyway, any uh, any predictions other than the dogs winning the flag, Paul? What 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 can you let us yep. know? Melbourne Storm will win the NRL Premiership. Uh, Farlap won't win the Melbourne Cup this year. Um, I do like the horse that's coming down from Queensland. Uh, oh, who's I that? Oh, I've just gone blank on the name, Piers. But if we if for any punters out there, look out for the horse that's come down from Queensland. I've just gone blank on the name. Sorry about that. <laughs> that's bullshit. You know exactly who it is. You're just no, worried about the odds. <laughs> No, I'm going blank. Uh, that's my memory. I should be. Oh, my memory on. should be better. I've, I've hung around your old man for too long. He never used to give us any tips. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, he gives you the bad ones. He just boosts yeah, the odds. Right. On the, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Mate, it's been lovely having a chat, chat with you. Yeah, thanks you too, gentlemen. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Paul. Peace. And Good nice to meet you. Mate. See you yeah. around. Take care. Yeah, yeah. See you, brother. Thanks. Bye bye.